Welcome, one and all, to the great Trapped Under Plastic, a.k.a. the PCAST. No, 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 no. That's definitely not better than the podcast for the miniature hobby enthusiast. Shit, we didn't look up what that cool catchphrase was. It was something like plastic crack addict. Oh, okay. Something like that. That's all of us. God damn it, the pube's still here. Getting a little itchy, itchy on the nosy. Uh, It's dog hair. (laughs) Didn't have a little springy coil to it. (laughs) It pushes me back (laughs) from the boy. Mike, boing. All right. You have some uh, updates for us about your list writing, box checking experiment from last time. Yeah. um, I've heard in the comments uh, and on the Facebook group, um, folks sounding off about willing to try it, starting to try it, um, mm-hmm. or or some more like professional reading around that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I haven't done, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've been don't going every day with my list uh, for the last two weeks since our last episode, and I'm feeling really good about it. I'm feeling like got this. Okay. The only box that sometimes doesn't all get checked is edit X hours a day. <laughs> Um, cause I try to like set a high goal for myself. It's like four hours a day. What the heck? And, uh, I can't always hit that. I've, I've never hit four in a day. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I but, think shooting for an hour a day is fine. Yeah, I know. And that's, that's what I've been, been sticking to. So it's been really working for me. If I feel like I'm further along in multiple hobby projects because of this too. Um, not in a way where I've like diverted my attention from some but like i get to a natural point where i need to put something down or i'm like this is not doing it for me right now okay checkbox you know i can zenithal prime my whole primed 2000 point army because that's one step okay you know, add that white ink on top okay and that way when i get to you know sitting down in a weekend and painting all of them like they're all ready to go i don't have any of this little steps that i could have done in 30 minutes another time interesting i like to containerize an experience all at w- in one time mm. so i edited for like eight to ten hours yesterday Whew. but i don't do that every single day i do that like one day a week maybe two days a week um because i want to get it over with yeah like when we were installing that sliding door there there, there came a point at like 8 p.m on the first day where we're like should we stop and continue this tomorrow and i was like I just want to finish it now because I don't want to have to think about it anymore. Um, so, yeah, I like to just get it all over with. I, I often find, and you really made me think of this with the sliding door thing, that there's like this this warm-up in a cool-down period in a given day of any like major task. Mm. And so if you were to stop at 8 p.m. and you're like, the next day, okay, we're going to kick it going the next day. You get up. You know, you got to give your dad some coffee. I don't know what old people drink. Um, (laughs) You know, we're going to have a nice family breakfast and we're going to chat. And you're like, it's 10 (laughs) a.m. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, we get an hour and a half in and we're kind of hungry for lunch. Before you know it, that second day, you're like 4 p.m. to get what you could have maybe got done by 11 p.m. the night before. Yeah. It also is about coming in with the right expectations, right? Like if you walk into a video edit and you're like, I'm going to finish this in four hours. It's like, you're a fool. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, if it's a smaller video, you can definitely do that. Um, But if it's like a, you know, a 10 minute video with, uh, you know, some decent editing in it and you got to link up. A, a voiceover to specific shots mm-hmm. it can get tricky it can get yeah. a lot of a lot of variables going on there i'm not yet to that point of the linking up the voiceover and that scares me oh yeah that's that's you know do i speed this footage up do i play it at regular pace do i show more of it with music and no vo there's there's 
There's a lot of questions you got to ask. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> is, that is, that, is that giving you a emotional turmoil right yeah, now? Yeah, <laughs> it is. I get overwhelmed because yeah. I think about everything instead of just like one thing. Those are questions you never have the answer to. Okay. And, they never, and they never go away. All right. Well, I'll just yeah. cross the bridge when I get there. <laughs> no, we should keep talking about it. No, I... <laughs> let's, let's quickly change the subject. Okay, let's. let's okay. Mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> I decided last night that I was not going to shave for the podcast today. Is this a week, a week's worth of mustache? Uh, yeah, about five days. Five days. Dang. You're, you're, <laughs> I, that man. is the first time anyone's ever been impressed with my facial hair. <laughs> it's coming from me. <laughs> oh, that's why I'm, I'm showing my mass solidarity today, so I can always just do this. Yeah, I'm sure they won't affect the audio at all. No, you guys, I sound the exact same right now. Actually, you kind of (laughs) do. Yeah, because this is special, like, super mesh made from predator suits. (laughs) (laughs) So you're doing that because you're ashamed. Yes. Well, I'm telling you that you got a mustache to be proud of in five days. All right. So in two weeks, I I wonder if my wife would get mad at me. I just keep it until she says something. Yeah. And so if two weeks she still doesn't say anything, I'll have an even uglier mustache. Okay. I mean... I can guarantee if I'm saying it's a good mustache, there's going to be a comment below saying how much of like a giant vagina you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just... You don't have a fully grown mustache in five days? What are you, a pussy? <laughs> like, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I still have the hair in my head, so suck a deep. <laughs> <laughs> Not me for long. <laughs> God, you're so worried about that, aren't you? I am, dude. All right. Well, just... I think you can take like growth hormones and stuff. I might do that. Yeah. You can keep all your hair, but you grow man boobs. <laughs> Is it worth it? I mean, it might be. <laughs> we'll, cro- I'll, we'll cross that bridge when I get there. Yeah. Just start taking the drugs now. <laughs> we'll worry about it. Okay. Later. Okay. Not any more mustache talk either. Thanks for going from one awkward topic to another. <laughs> um, we have actual preamble to talk about here. Yes. Drunk mini painting. Drunk mini painting. So... This is the first time that we've sat down to record since the drunk mini painting video has gone live. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to just kind of unpack a little bit about, you know, this is how we thought it went. This yeah. is what I, uh, what we thought worked well, why we, we had fun or didn't have fun. Yeah. So first off, Scott, did you have fun? Absolutely. I think I've had fun every single time I've done it. So yeah, I mean, I, I, not the throwing up part, but everything else is fun. <laughs> yeah. And obviously we did not throw up this time. Yeah, well, I guess not obviously because people don't know what happened right. after the shooting. Well, that's part of it. Yeah. We didn't throw up. We didn't throw up. <laughs> um, we stayed up way too late though. Yes. We stayed up to like 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Just like watching hobby YouTube videos. Yeah. Yeah. And eating snacks. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, um, but we 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 quit the drinking there, and we did get a lot of comments about how we're giant weenies, giant weenie, giant lightweights, giant lightweights. If you do a control F for the word lightweights in the comment, you might get uh, yeah. twenty thirty hits <laughs> over <laughs> over overboard. <laughs> um, so, all right. So, what's your take on that, Scott? What's, okay, so they're like, "Oh, you guys were so drunk, or you guys were that hit you guys so much." What what's your response to that? Uh, my response to all the comments about me being a lightweight are that they are entirely true. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely am. Uh, I'm known in my friend group. I mean, I can, if I drink alcohol really fast, I don't know why. Maybe I get like anxious, but like when someone hands me a beer, I'm like polishing it off in like 10 minutes or 15 mm-hmm. minutes. I don't know. I just have to get rid of it. <laughs> I don't want it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I drink a beer really fast. I get drunk. Well, okay. Being drunk is a spectrum. Right. All right. I feel good. 
I yeah. start kissing dudes. <laughs> I start hugging everybody, you know? Get a little warm in the face. I'm not like falling over myself. No. Yeah, I get some of that some of that Asian glow going on, you know? Yeah. I get a red you, face. You're, you're getting a little warm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's true. <laughs> I think, you know, there's a difference for, between us being drunk and us like, we have a drink, we're feeling, we're feeling a little warm fuzzies. <laughs> We're hanging out painting with buddies. We're giggling. We're having we're having we have an fun. audience. We have yeah. an audience. Yeah. We had Derek here. That was the first. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. Derek kind of stole the show though, the jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the results, uh, congratulations. Uh, you were the actual winner. Yes. We are now one in one in drunk mini painting. Yeah. I did like your green underglow on that ghost. Mm. It looked really nice. I had a moment of clarity there. Yeah, it was good. I should have stole that idea too. Yeah. But you did it later in the game, so I couldn't steal it. I did it in the third round. Oh, tricky. Was yeah, that yeah. part of your strategy? Yeah, my strategy was to get the thing decent looking as, uh, within a round and a half. Okay, yeah. Actually, let's talk about this. Because you, like you had like some plans. Did you have plans going in? I don't even want to assume. Yeah, I, had, I knew how I really messed up the first time. Okay. Right. Because I tried to do these really fancy things right away. Green in the skin tone. Yeah. And this wet blended green undertone skin tone. And it left me with no time to finish all the fiddly bits of the whole mini. Yeah. So overall, it looked flat because it had this weird dichotomy of, of not getting all the colors on the mini first to see what worked or see what was missing. Sure. See where I wanted to draw attention. Right. Uh, this mini had a lot less fiddly bits, which was helpful. Yes. But it, it did have the boingy factor. Yeah. Which was tough. That was an unforeseen factor. Mm. But it had two giant sections that mo- both of us decided to paint different colors of uh-huh. the cloth. Yes. Plus the ghostly stuff going into the base, the, the kind of the ghostly legs or whatever. Right. And so we had to make decisions on making those look as good as possible and that was the biggest elements that you're saying yeah yeah. yeah. and so i was like i just want those to have some nice contrast and wet blending right away but over the black primer trying to do a bright fade from that kind of creamy white down to whatever color i can't remember what color i was using like a orangish brown um i had to do more coats to get coverage on that than i thought so i'm like okay this is just going to take me longer so I need to pivot and just get everything with a decent looking paint coat or base coats and then decide where I wanted to draw attention. Okay. I didn't, I I didn't realize that the thing was black primed. There was no Zenithal prime, right? No, there was no Zenithal. So yeah, we're working over black. Okay. Uh, I didn't really have a plan. I resorted to how I painted the other executioner model, Lord executioner that I had with Mm. some obviously different, some differences. Um, I was like discovering fun details about it as I was painting it because you did that fade from the like the raggedy cloths, yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna steal that. And so I did magenta up into my kind of yellow ochre cloth, and I was like, oh, like the cloths being dragged through blood because he's an executioner, and you gave me shit for that. And that was a hilarious <laughs> bit that I made it in. Um, we should talk about how we met Derek. Yeah, we should. Yeah. So Derek took one of our classes in. Uh, in our, our our only class we've taught at this point yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah the minnesota one um and what did he mention what did he, you mentioned it to me he spoke to you first about it yeah no because because i chat with everybody in the class well, yeah yeah just about everything and um we were chatting and he mentioned that he was a bartender and then i'm like oh man i we just i somehow got on the topic of me pretty sweet to have a bartender at drunk and mini painting because he was talking about 
watching the last one. I'm like, it's a fucking cool idea. Yeah. Like, let me check with the boss. Yeah. <laughs> and then am I, check- I the boss in this case? <laughs> no, I checked with Amber. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she said, yeah, you can run it by Scott. And then, <laughs> and then I ran it by you. And you were all for it. Yeah, it was awesome. It was good to have that. Um, like the, the painting thematic drinks. That was a lot of fun. It was. Yeah, and trying to like, we leaned a little bit on his expertise. I mean, like, all right. He knows mini painting. He knows GW stuff, whatever. We're like, Derek, it's kind of what we're thinking. You know, can you help us from the mixology side of it? And he was able to come up with some good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not overly complex, but quite frankly, all of us nerds don't want to have a, you know, seven ingredients in a single drink plus Hershey syrup. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. We should talk about the Hershey syrup. Too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, we might, we wanted to make a drink called dirty paint water and the best version of dirty paint water is a mat shot. Um, which is basically at the end of the night, the bartender takes the mat that they've been making drinks on and that has a bunch of just, uh, various alcohols mixed together. It's kind of nasty and they pour it into a shot glass and you take that shot. That would be a perfect dirty paint water. Yeah. But obviously Derek's not, bartending in our basement for like a whole night and we don't have access to a bunch of like little you know small amounts of alcohol mixed into a mat so his idea was to take three drinks that were yellow red and blue right right and mix them together and that should make some kind of muddy color yeah and instead it made more of a red color um and it wasn't opaque at all it was still kind of translucent yeah and so at first he added pineapple juice because pineapple juice has some opacity to it it could look a little cloudy and whatnot and that wasn't working. Um, so we, I think we added more of the yellow drink and that still wasn't working. And then I was like, let's just add in some Hershey syrup. Because what I thought was when you make fake blood in a movie set, you take uh, light corn syrup, red dye, and you put in like a drop of Hershey syrup. And that gives you the necessary opacity and also like the darkness of blood. Yeah. So I was like, toss that in there. And that kind of did it. But it was still a little little warm. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to be more brown, you know, gray. Yeah. But it, it worked. So the Hershey syrup was never part of the original recipe. No. But, <laughs> no. but it made it in. And it, it tasted kind of chocolatey, which is kind of yummy. <laughs> yeah. I liked how when I was editing it, you, you volunteered to write down the recipes for all the drinks. And I went to go find the clipboard that you wrote the recipes down on. And they were just all entirely empty. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, thanks, John. I wrote the names of yeah, the drinks. Yeah, you wrote the names. I didn't write right what was in them. I think yeah. I was too excited about, I don't know what, Yeah, drinking it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was fun. It was good. We made all three drinks ahead of time, then put them in the fridge, and then went and got them just so that we weren't having to move the camera around a ton in between rounds. Yeah. And I think that helped. I mean, not speaking for Derek here, but I think that helped him too because he got all his shots done before yeah. the event. Yeah, yeah. And so when he was just here hanging out with us and, and you know, watching the 90 minutes unfold, or yeah, 90. Yeah. Um, he didn't have to worry or stress out about having to still shoot something. And exactly. Stuff, yeah. You know. And then I'm going to operate a camera mildly drunk. So that's good. (laughs) Not in focus at all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The best shots, the video shots of that whole video are the shots that you came up with just on the fly where Derek puts the glasses in front of the camera and sets them down. I just love that. You love those shots so much. I love that. It was so cool. It just made it feel like a real boy. Yeah. Yeah. When in doubt, just add more shots to your video. Yeah. It just, it just increases engagement and it feels more professional. More random B-roll that fits in. Yeah. Note to self. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. We had fun doing it. We'll probably do it in the future at some point uh, with enough time in between the last one as to not upset any parties, married parties. Right. Yeah. Uh, but there needs to be a break between yeah. those. Um, although I think that the wives were much happier with the outcome of this one. Absolutely. Although my wife says she'll never watch the Junkin' Mini Pig. No? Because she'll just get mad at me. And I'm like, why? Well, I, I appreciate you. You're fairly reasonable. Um, Yeah, but she doesn't like my sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't particularly find me funny about 80% of the time. So <laughs> this is fine. This is fine. You're funny. One-fifth one fifth of your jokes are funny? Yeah. To her. To her. To, to me, her. you're at like a 90 percentile. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you and I do a podcast. I mean her. So yeah, that was good. You know, there's another thing in the preamble that I want to talk about is we John and I want to have a uh a replacement for Adepticon, but just for us. Yeah. Uh and we want to get Sam up here and uh we're not gonna make videos. We're just gonna we're just gonna hang out and just uh have a fake con paint not stress about any other like work-related things well i'll bring stickers and trade stickers yeah because that's a thing you do at cons yes yeah you do um i don't know i got a whole bunch of stickers last year okay yeah sure i got stickers yeah i got stickers yeah i mostly when i was drunk so i don't remember sam if you listen to this podcast you want to come to minnesota for no reason that's going to advance your career (laughs) just to hang out (laughs) just to hang out and actually paint minis together usually like, I don't know. People think this that you and I hang out and paint minis together a lot. We don't. We don't. No. <laughs> I wish we did. Yeah. It's just it. There's always something to do. Yes. Right. And it's always you know work. Yeah. It's like if you drive an hour and a half to get here, you you want to be doing it for a reason, and that reason typically is making making a video, which is going to advance something. It's going to make me money. It's going to uh, get more audience to our podcast and hopefully make us more money. So it's like trying to make the most of our time. We're not just trying to hang out. Yeah, I mean, but we want to hang out, right? Because we, we're it. friends. That's it, and that's the other reason I think going back to the drunken mini painting. Well, people may have thought that we we were more affected by the booze than we were. We were just so happy and having fun. Yeah, to talk shit. And paint together. (laughs) And so, like, you know, that's us hanging out with Sam. That's what the whole three days would be. Us knocking over each other paints and stealing dry brushes (laughs) and shit. (laughs) I'm so happy how well that worked. Fuck. I had no idea. You grabbed it and immediately leaned over. And I was like, opportunity. (laughs) I was so confused where it went. Because I couldn't. I'm like, it was just here. I didn't even consider you were bright enough to pull that shenanigans off. (laughs) But you were, you had a moment. <sighs> moment of brilliance. Yeah. All right. Is there any other thing? I had on? one. Let's talk about it. I had one other preamble thing that I had just been thinking about lately in the last couple of weeks. And I would pose it to you, but I'm posing it more to all the sprues and spruettes out there. Okay. So sound off in the comments or sound off on the Facebook page or, or both. Um, has the coronavirus and the lack of being able to get together with your friends and play games. Mm. Has that affected your hobbying side, your painting and building and um, all that side positively, negatively, or it's about the same. Yeah. Uh, my answer is not going to be satisfactory to this, 
But, That's why I asked everybody else. Yeah. I, I knew you are going to suck. Yeah. But I will say that Wylock's Armory, which is a YouTube channel that mostly focuses on terrain. Uh, I did a collab with him at one point. Um, he made this video where he's playing a game of 40K with his wife, who doesn't like miniature war games. Maybe she doesn't like them, but she's, she's, she's apathetic about them. She uh, She's never played any. But the the reason why was because he's like, I haven't played 40K in five or six months because of the coronavirus. I want to play. So for Father's Day or for his birthday, he forced his wife to play 40K <laughs> and made a video about it. So oh, I'll, I'll link that in the in the show notes below because it's it's hilarious. Um, just this, the concept is hilarious uh, because, you know, he wants to play games. Uh, but me, no, I paint because I, I paint because I have to paint. And because, you know, I, I forever, forever, I have always been more of a painter than a gamer. So it hasn't affected me yeah. much. And I think that's probably in in some ratio what most of our audience is, is they lean, whether it's 55-45 or 90-10, they lean more on the painting side than the gaming side. But um, you think so? I think, I, I mean, I, I, I peruse our, our Facebook page, you know, regularly. Um I mean, I feel like most of it's gaming stuff. Am I wrong? No. I don't know. I I guess I don't look at it that way. Is it I survey think, time? I think, yeah. <laughs> I guess maybe we need to survey uh, survey the audience. <laughs> 100 Americans were surveyed. Oh, that's a Family Feud reference. So, All right. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... I'm just curious what people are at. Because you played uh, a fair amount, at least in a while. You were in a Guild Ball League. Yeah, I played weekly, yeah. You know, you're in your Blackstone Fortress. You had like a, a semi-constant game going. Oh, yeah, we haven't done that for a while. You know, and I think you, you know, there's some other odds and ends games. Yeah, we were going to play Hate. Where the, the Blackstone Fortress group was going to start to move into Hate. And then we picked out our tribes and we just, uh, we never we never did it. Because yeah. it was right when it started. Mm. So, the one of the catalysts that we'll talk about this in the news section a little bit more that got me to think about this question was the General's Handbook for Age of Sigmar came out, hmm. and so I'm reading through that and I'm looking at my army and changes of points and changes in death and like ooh, ooh. thought I thought building list building and ooh Coven Throne went down in points. Ooh. Oh, start me thinking about that. I got a Coven Throne. You got a Coven Throne, and. Uh, it made me think about like getting excited to play more again. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, I haven't played Age of Sigmar in like three months. Okay. So you're getting excited about playing Age of Sigmar that we're talking about? Yeah. It made me antsy and the pantsy to play it again. And it made me realize how little I've played lately. Um, and, and how that's affected my actual hobbying is I find myself being drawn more to not painting stuff for gaming lately i'm painting things from different games or stuff that i i don't actively play right now like kingdom death um but i'm also like i feel like this opportunity um has allowed me to set all of my army up to paint the whole thing right because it's not like oh well i don't want to have stuff half painted and go to a game or you know i didn't have a, a uh you know a varnish over it so my half paint jobs will get ruined or whatever um so i'm still sticking to my goal of when 
I mean, in our area, you still technically can go and you can go play now at the game store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just have to, everything is socially distant and full masks on and everything like that. And right. a bunch of guys have played 40K and Age of Sigmar. I'd say a bunch, but uh, I know of a handful of games that have already happened. I mean, people are there playing Magic and stuff. So, um, But it's still not what I would consider the most safe decision to make. Sure, yet. yeah. Um, and we're in Minnesota and in overall cases compared to some other hotspots in the U S we're, we're still pretty mild in cases, but yeah. you always got to be careful. Yeah. It's well, it's because people are deciding not to do things like that. Right. So yeah. if we decide to do things like that, then we m- maybe might become more like other States. Yeah, that's true. I think two dudes playing Warhammer is not the same as, you know, 30,000 people going to a Panama beach. Right. Yeah. But, um, anyway, uh, so I really am trying to stick to my guns to say, well, when this is all done, I'm going to have a 2000 points army painted. And so dude, me too. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's going to feel good. And I think that'll be, make us more excited. So when we can play again, it'll feel that much better. I emerge from the, uh, what do you want to call it? The Corona hibernation. Yeah. A new from the full fa- painted army from the fallout shelter. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool i like that i like that goal it's like when what when a vaccine not a vaccine what's the word i'm looking for yeah if you're talking about the antibody vaccine well like because it's a hard thing to determine right when it's all over yeah so i feel like that's kind of a hard cutoff right there right sure yeah that would that would be it a a trusted working vaccine that we can take and then poof we're we're good hopefully that will be in the near future. You got some Mayo Clinic insider info for us right now? <laughs> that's all I'm at liberty to say. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah. I like that challenge. I think that's a cool challenge to pose to other people to come out of the coronavirus uh, with a fully painted army. Yeah. I mean, or if you play a different game, let's say you got a, uh, I'm playing Gloomhaven with some buddies now. Well, a, a friend and his wife in their completely sequestered and, and I'm completely sequestered and we both had tests. So we're all in the negatory, but we play Gloomhaven every week. But like, let's say you play a game like that and it's a regular thing and it hasn't been happening or a D and D game or whatever. It's like set the goal for yourself that the next time we get together, I'm going to have every person's character painted or I'm going to have all the Gloomhaven characters painted or something like that. So whatever, whatever floats your boat. Okay, cool. Right. That's that's the preamble. For that's today. the preamble. All right, let's talk about what we painted. Um, I did some work. You did some work this week. I saw that. Yeah, I finished my Orion commission. Sorry, my leg is bleeding, so I keep moving my head away from the mic. Um, to lick it? No, just to look at it. No, oh. <laughs> I guess I could do this. Um, anyways, I finished Orion. Uh, it was a commission. It's one of the two remaining commissions I have left. So now I have Juan left, and unfortunately, Juan? it is the biggest Juan. Why are you saying it that way? Saying what, what way? <laughs> Just forget it. I will. <laughs> Is the last one the Titan or something? Yeah, so I have a converted Night Titan. Night Titan? Is that the right word? The big the big guys, the plastic kits made by Night W. And Nighton. I have a converted one to be a Chaos one because when the commission was given to me, Chaos Titans did not exist. And so, way to date how long this has taken. It's you. over a year, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So it's it's uh, it's all it's entirely converted. 
I see the paint it now. Um, and it's all on its individual like armor plates and stuff like that. And you know, painting a Titan doesn't necessarily need to be complicated. Right. Um, the commissioner wanted me to do some freehanding on the armor plates uh, of like the various chapter badges and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Look at when I started. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's the last one. But once that's done. I've been turning down every single commission opportunity I've gotten for the last year since I took those two. So I'm done, man. I'm a free man. Is it going to feel good? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I always, I always think about the obligations I, I make to people like every day, like usually it comes once a day. When I think about one, I think about every single one. Mm. Uh, and like, you know, in a five minute period and then I uh, feel sad and then I move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going to think about it. I mean, okay. Just a level set people are paying me to do this so i'm not enslaved i'm not being persecuted uh it's just you know a little bit of mental burden um that feels good to get rid of so yeah we got one left excited about that finish orion big display based use the dark messiah dark messiah uh the the, the plane that you got me for my birthday the biggest one i think because yeah, i needed that 60 mil. yeah put a put a tree on there i've never made a tree oh i made one tree before but it i really wasn't i didn't make anything i just took a a plant out of the ground with, with roots. And I made that out of a tree mm-hmm. that was for my very first crystal brush entry, that tree. Oh yes. I remember just a, just a root and a, and a branch. Um, so I actually sculpted branches this time for the first time. That was cool. Uh, used bark again for the landforms. Um, I, uh, I went crazy with static grasses and tufts. I noticed he Dude. was in a, meadow dude heck yeah uh, some three different kinds of flowers like yes. six different kinds of i use the micro tufts from gamer grass yeah. those tiny little things dude i oh. love them so much um so i finished that that was good um i uh finished the chronicler which to be honest there wasn't that much left to do i just had to paint his face and maybe some like these little battery cell things on his backpack so he's done being painted and now he needs a display base um and the last thing I started to work on was I painted uh, uh, another hate figure of mine, the shaman in my Bulgar tribe. And the scheme I use for them is black skin tones, white hair, purple glowing blades. And so this time I painted it in a different way. I took reference from uh, Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones, the shaman in that tribe. Hmm. I don't know. I think I know in, in India, I forget if it's north and south are separated by like kind of more of like a, a, a wheat complexion in the north and kind of more of a darker complexion in the south. But I went for more of a darker Indian skin tone um, on this figure and kind of like, uh, you know, popped it in Photoshop and like looked at some some skin tone t- colors and kind of like did some pixel peeping and then painted the figure based on that palette. Um, but yeah, that was that was a fun experiment. It's nice. It had almost like a maroony. Yeah, purpley tone to the dark skin. Which yeah, it adds more depth that way, and it's not just painting it brown because brown people aren't just brown, right? Yeah, just like white people aren't white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know? some there were some cool suggestions to use like blues in the highlights, um, which can give it. I don't want to call it like a color shift look, but I don't know, maybe more richness again. Uh, but yeah, I learned a lot of things from doing that, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. Sweet. But that's it that's what i painted that's that's a good amount of things thank you i say that when you sent me that picture that dark messiah base on there i'm like oh man that oh, looks so good yeah i can't wait to use one of those <laughs> yeah that was um that was under the suggestion of darren latham no oh, is it latham latham it's oh you're doing it to antagonize <laughs> okay uh because 
I was bugging him on getting some sexy display plinths mm-hmm. for Golden Demon. I was like, Darren, what do you use? Because I want to copy you because I want to win. <laughs> He's like, I use Dark Messiah. And I was like, okay, let me check this out. And they're all like poured resin or what they're they Delrin. Oh, yeah. And he, he puts he them on a lathe. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually okay. really not complicated. Oh, but it sure looks. It looks nice. So freaking smooth. Yeah. It's so smooth. You know, you don't have any grain, wood grain or anything not there. Um, and they're that right amount of little bit of shine, but not like super glossy. Mm-hmm. They're so cool. Anyway, and the owner, I talked to him of Dark Messiah, super nice guy. He was going through some struggles and changing where his studio was and was super communicative and, you know, let me have updates all along the way and was a really nice guy. So, as yeah, small businesses are small often. business. Yeah. yeah. And he's out of the UK and we still got him beautifully shipped and all protected because I'm guessing these things they might chip if they were to bang against each other. Possibly. So, Anyway, there's a free plug. <laughs> uh, what did I paint? So, um, really only one thing, but I've been working on something else. I painted the uh, test model for my Oceark Bone Reaper army. Okay. And Oh, right. I saw that. Yeah. So, my my goal with this was not so much to make sure the colors were the colors I wanted, although I did end up making some tweaks based on how it looked. But I wrote down all the steps. That's, so I, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I have every step uh, that I needed in the correct order. Because sometimes, you know, steps five, six, and seven, or whatever steps, could be done in a variety of different ways. But there's oftentimes a, a, a most efficient way to do okay. those steps. And yeah. so it made me double think. And I actually switched some steps around after having wrote them down and be like, actually I should do this before I do the metals. Um, because I don't want to worry about being super cleanly when I've got 70 models to paint for this. Yeah. Um, and then going over the metals with that Vallejo metal color, will just erase all mistakes. <laughs> I think the first one I saw, was good and then you made changes and showed me the second one and there was an obvious improvement yeah i what i realized was and i showed this to my buddy blanche as well i sent him that picture and he's like it's missing something he's like i I don't know what he's like i'm not a good enough painter to know what but it's missing something and I, i realized that there was not strong enough accent colors it's kind of a blanchitsu style but there wasn't a secondary color that really stood out so I did two things on the rework. One, I did one extra level of highlights on the face in the bone parts of the shield on the top. So really to boost the contrast up to a pure ivory. Okay. Um, and then I added the verdigris with the oil paint. Oil paint. Um, and that gave another interesting color on there is it as an accent color. It's not overly distracting but it adds a little bit more interest there. Otherwise, the main pop of color comes from the green glow and the gems. Okay. Otherwise, it's meant to be fairly desaturated paint scheme. But So 17 steps. That's so many steps it takes. 17. 17, and that's more than I was hoping. I wonder if people who paint armies 
compare the amount of steps it takes because like you know like backpackers compare like how heavy their their packs are like okay mine's like 30 ounces I wonder 30 if like ounces uh oh the backpack itself not with yeah, stuff in it yeah okay. like my, my dad's like an ultra lightweight like backpacker and so he, he they like the guys on the forums because old people use forums still <laughs> shout out the forums man i i use forums for such a long time but just no one cares about them anymore yeah. uh anyways uh yeah they compare the weight of their pack so i wonder if like army painters like compare like oh, how many steps till you get to that end result right yeah and of this- course it's not entirely quantifiable right because you right but whatever yeah, you're taking you're taking a quantifiable number and then comparing it to an unquantifiable artistic result. Right. Yeah. Because certain steps may have taken way longer than mm-hmm. you know your one of your seventeen steps. Right. And this paint job, if I cut it down to thirteen steps, the final result might look, you know, half half half, half, as, yeah, half as half good. as good half worse. or it could look ninety five percent, and maybe it would have been worth it. Now yeah, right. there's a whole science experiment in that yes of which there is some takeaways to learn from but there's also a lot that's really individually unique to this specific scheme this way and so would it be helpful for other people to learn that i don't know but um i just wanted to find a number of steps that i could accomplish in a weekend to do the whole thing and i'm not 100 percent sure um one other thing that i did learn is this test mini he was primed black and I didn't zenithal him. And that was one of the issues why I didn't feel like I had enough pop from the bone in the head and shoulders region because I was fighting that in my base coat stages and building up highlights. I felt like I was like a half step lower in the brightness scale. So okay. it may be that I zenithal prime. I'm going to zenithal prime the whole army because I asked Vince V and he's like, just do it. Uh, always do it. So. Yeah, I just ask ask him like he's an old monk up on a mountain somewhere. And I just yeah, and I kind of just hike up there like once a week, and I ask him a question. He's like, "That's a dumb question." No, he doesn't say it's a dumb question. <laughs> but I feel like oh, I should have known this. He, he answers the question that your soul is asking, not yes. that not that your mouth is asking. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and then I just walk back down the mountain. And and I'll be have, like, "I'll see you next week." He has some tea, and then you leave. Yeah, yeah. Diet Dr Pepper. I think that's his jam. Or at least he was. I think he might have. Uh, kicked the kick the pop i was thinking more of like a, a monk thing to drink would be like tea not literally <laughs> <laughs> but it's funnier to picture him in like the, with the buddhist teacup with like dr <laughs> like pepper in it yeah i love See, that that's what's funny that's funny right there <laughs> yeah but like he has the monk buddhist robes on but over top of that is the green apron. <laughs> <laughs> man i love that oh poor vinzy v all right taking shit so you painted a test model I, I made it a test model, and that was oh, there's more all the way done. And then I it was one of those spots where I didn't want to start something new for painting, but I wanted to get excited about something, so I started on a competition piece. Um, this was a piece that for what for Golden Demon? Oh, well, just to have something in the pocket. Yeah, I put it in the pocket. Okay. Um, this is a model that I bought like two times ago. We were here when we went to the source, the Formorian Crusher. I have no idea what that is. It's the big Cyclops monster thing. Oh, Ogroid Thermitage. Uh, is that do they? Do they are they made from the same kit? They're the same set. Like, or they're not. They're different. They're different individual boxes, but they okay. came out at the same time to okay. be like bad guys for War Warcry. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, and so I, I started. I 
took them off the sprues. I had to use my new Iwata clipper because I got a fancy new Iwata clipper. And I was like, I want to clip some shit. <laughs> so, so I'm going to clip this ogre dude. Was it, it life-changing? It's so much better than my $1.49 Menards ones. Yeah. It's not even close. Just having that flat reference edge on one side is so yeah, nice. Yeah, and it's just like super smooth that it cuts through. My other one was like, click, click. <laughs> it was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Stuff flying everywhere. Scared me. <laughs> um, so I was thinking of the story of the scene as I'm cleaning him and assembling him. And he's got some options for different hands and different heads and stuff. And the story I wanted to tell. And um, I have this idea because he's chained up. Oh, yeah. And that he's just, he's just broken from chains to pillars. Oh, is Samson? What? No, no, no. Okay. So here's the scene I'm thinking. Dude, he is. I think I know what you're going to say. I don't know what that bunny rabbit thing is. This is. The, you're sending me waves right now. Oh, These okay. are our antenna. It's just like the, the chick from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Little, <laughs> yeah. Her little feelings. She yeah. can sense your feelings. Yeah. All right. So here's my idea. See how close you get. Um, this giant Cyclops thing is on display. Is some kind of a, uh, a sign of, of posterity and success by this city of humans in Sigmar. And he's in a town square. And he is chained to these big pillars. And people have thrown tomatoes and rotten cabbages and stuff at him. And so you can see that you could see them like splashed on him in stains and stuff at his feet. And he's got some um some wounds where maybe they thrown rocks and stuff as well at him. And the scene is he just can't take it anymore. And he has broken the pillars sloth style from Goonies, which you need to watch. He's broken the pillars and it's a bright sunny day. So there's hard shadows on the front edge of the base room of people running of their shadows, running with their hands in the air away. Like the crowd has mm. just dispersed. Okay. And I, I, I took off all of the chaos symbols that are like branded on him and on his armor and everything. I took sure, all sure. of that off. He still has like skulls and helmets and stuff around his belt. And I'm like, well, maybe if he was in a f- war or something and they captured him as a prisoner of war, sure, you know, that he would still have that stuff. Okay. He's got like no it. weapons on him. I like it. So I can't wait to see it. Yeah. So I've got him and I'm going to use that the big 60 mil Dark Messiah base for him. Heck yeah. So I didn't think that I thought you were going to go in a gladi- gladiatorial route. Like he is the monster that they sick on the gladiators uh, to fight uh, for entertainment. Ooh, that's uh, good too. Yeah. Ball, man, I, do whatever you want. I think they're both good ideas. Uh, the, the, the first one gives me biblical vibes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like he's tearing down the pillars to bring down the, est- the establishment on top of all the people that are perpetrating him. Yes. What does posterity mean? I thought I knew what it meant. I don't. I use words. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> I mean, so, same. <laughs> um, doing it for posterity. I okay, think can, I do know, but we can remove this part from the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm an idiot. Do you know what this means? I don't know. I'm also an idiot. <laughs> 
I guess this means we're keeping it in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I painted. And he is all fully built now. I did a lot of what I call Trevarian cleanup work with the... I I used the sprue goo technique for for cleaning mold lines and multiple passes of that with sanding and wet sanding between. Wow, yes. So he's all fully smooth and all the the gaps are 100% closed. Also, that model has a big single pauldron, like a one giant shoulder pad. And it's it's so large, um, but I actually sculpted it so it's like attached to this leather harness thing that he's wearing like a battle harness i sculpted it so the um that shoulder pad is not going to be on him oh and so you can actually just see the full strap it's a separate piece okay okay that's and so i had to i had to carve away where the where it has like the bumps up for it to connect as well as to define the shape of the shoulder pad because i kind of made it mushy underneath okay um because he looks more uh he looks less like he's a big dangerous thing and he almost looks a little bit sad like he's a little bit pathetic without that without these big scary things and i think painted in the right way he can be looked to almost where you don't look at him as a monster but look at him as being the one that um is being persecuted here yeah yeah so and and it, it creates a much better um viewing angle too because you don't have this big off-center thing on one side and nothing on the other shoulder the shoulder's almost kind of hunched so he just feels slightly like deflated without that big shoulder pad Um, and then you get your eye is drawn right to that face instead of it being this big kind of thing that throws you off on where's my center for attention interesting yeah so that's it that's what i worked on okay it kind of uh makes me think about the fact that when you're looking for a piece to exhibit a certain kind of emotion, considering what it might look like if certain things were removed from it is really important. Whereas the the tendency can ver- can be to look at the box art, so how it's painted and how it's uh, modeled uh, to be like what the end product is all the time. But a simple thing as removing a shoulder pad can have such a drastic difference. Yeah. And it's not that the model looks bad with the shoulder pad. No. It, yeah, yeah. Just, um, and I think that's a really key thing you're saying there is that the way that it is painted or sculpted or decided to be posed on the box art does not mean that's the best way it just means that that's the way that they decided to go with it for a final product and mm-hmm. you're not forced to to have your model always be judged to that being the 100 percent. and where do you fall below that number you can't possibly fall above it or go off of that that lo- that linear trajectory you can have your own trajectory so yeah we'll see how it goes all right cool sounds like a cool idea when is it going to be done <sighs> i don't know i i have it pinned in on a hobby holder so i next steps is to prime it and that i think once that gets going i'm going to be excited i'm going to paint this guy in oils because he's a bigger model i'm going to at least start him in oils okay um i actually base coat you just get to have fun with the base coat too, because you I I base coat in acrylics first, and it's just truly base coating a single color over all of that surface. So you paint the whole model in just base coats and acrylics, and then you go on to oils. Um, I'm curious to where this will take me in terms of how far I'm going to go with oils, and then abandon them, and then try to finish up 
you know, the, the final version of the model back with acrylics again. I'm curious to where on that timeline I'm going to abandon oils and where I'm going to bring back acrylics. I don't know. I might do 90% of the model in oils or I might do 50%. I don't know yet. We'll see. See how it goes. What, what would happen with me is the moment that I felt like things were happening that were outside of my control is the moment I'd go back to a comfort zone. Yeah. And it's not, not to say that just be just because of the merit of the fact that it's a competition piece and I want the best result possible. Right? Yeah. So as soon as you feel like you're in over your head, that's when I would change. Yeah. And that's, that's going to happen. Maybe. It's, you know, the fine detail work and the textury things in oils I'm, is where I'm feeling like I'm not comfortable. Um, I'm not comfortable in any of it right now. I've only, you know, done one model on oils, but I'm excited with the potential. And I see the possibilities of getting this to that 75% mark much faster than I traditionally have done. I usually dick around in that middle 50% for far longer than I feel like I should. Yeah. You know, it'd be a sick product is a set, uh, a set of paints because <laughs> we need another Whoa, paints, a set of paints that use identical pigment combina combinations, but just different binders. So I have an oil red and an, oil, and an acrylic red and they're identical in, in, if that's possible, I don't know if that's possible, but one's oil and one's acrylic and I can start my model on acrylic or on, on obviously I need a base coat on acrylic and then work on oils. And then when I change over and I want to do like very finicky minor details, perhaps like panel lining or things like that, or scratches, for instance, mm -hmm. I have identical hues to my oil counterparts. Cause I feel like that'd be the problem is like, I'm trying to like match these things. I'd be a little bit off. That is a really good point. That'd be kind of cool. I, th I think if you worked with a uh, single, um, what am I thinking? Single pigment paints because most, yeah, most, most of the, that's the nice thing about freaking oils is oils tell you on the, on the tube, what pigments are in it. Yes. Even if it's multiple. So if you're like, okay, it's got PB14 and Y11, it, those are the two pigments that are in this bottle. If there were the ability to get acrylics that would work well with uh, miniatures that you could then match up those two pigments, in theory, that would work. Yeah. But mini paints don't tell you what the pigments are. Yeah, many yeah. hobby brands definitely don't. No, I don't know if like the Vallejo had the tube ones recently. Oh yeah, or was it was it Vallejo? Oh, no, scale, scale seventy five, scale color. Yeah, or oh, sorry, scale color. They had the tubes, and I wonder if those have pigments. If you guys own those and you want to check them out, see if they do tell you what the pigments are in those. I'm curious. They're a wide. They give you a pretty wide range of colors in each area, which leads me to believe they probably wouldn't because they're mixing so many. And I can't recall if Camara is. We'll check that later. If Camara tells you what the pigment is, because those are let's, mostly sing, single pigments. Let's check right now. Oh, look at that. I see him on the shelf behind you. Uh, I'm going to commentate. Scott grabs. He chooses to grab the magenta, and he shakes it up for no goddamn reason. He is. What do you think, yes or no? I am going to say yes. Final answer. You are <gasps> correct. Hey! Hey! No, uh, it's uh, PR122 for the pigment for magenta. No, magenta. All right. Uh, PR122. I'm going to pull up my phone. I take, I'm a weirdo, so I take pictures of things. Um, and I took a picture of the primary and secondary colors that Dmitry Fashesko uses. And freak. 
There is the magenta that he uses. What is the what is the pigment? PR one two two. I think we just fucking cracked the matrix, boys. All right, that's a product that doesn't need to exist because <laughs> Chimera has done it. All right, I guess I know how to paint this thing now. Woo! That's cool. All right, now you can make adjustments and hopefully not have to mess around with hue too much. There might be some difference in hue just because of what the pigment is bound in. I don't know. That would be an interesting experiment. Hmm. Yeah. But if I think if the tone is, is kind of on point, and even if it's not 100%, when you're dealing with different layers of different colors that are all kind of mixing in the sex pot together. <laughs> sex pot? <laughs> I don't know. Their juices are touching and all that stuff. <laughs> that, you know, it would it'd be close enough. Sure, yeah. You'll figure it out. Likely. It's just like when you, like, are working on painting some, some skin or leather or fabric or whatever, and then... The next day you come back and you need to do more of that and you need to mix the colors again yeah. to get your gradation. Yeah. Is it 100% the same? Does it ever matter? No. Not really. It doesn't. It's close enough where the eye can connect those as the same things. All right. So, yeah. So we've been shooting the shit for about 45 minutes. Jeez. And we haven't even gotten to the main topic yet. So I'm going to move us forward. <laughs> sorry. The topic. No, sorry. Both of us. Uh, the topic for today is from a patron. We don't know which patron because uh, we're garbage cans. Uh, but... Mostly me because I'm the reason it happened. It doesn't matter. Um, it's from a patron. And the question is, is when do you give up on a model? And as 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 per usual, we like to kind of expand on the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what other questions are we going to be aiming to answer today, John? Oh, damn it. Okay, let me look it up. I do know this. Why don't you just buy us some time? Scott, buy us some time. Tell so us a joke. sometimes All right. I feel like a woman. Okay, that's not how I wanted you to buy time. Okay, I tried. All right. I appreciate your effort. Okay, so we're going to expand this a little bit. When do you decide to give up on a mini? When do you decide to give up on a project or an idea? When do you decide to give up on a paint scheme? And finally, when do you decide to give up on a product? Wow. i sorry. Those are... <laughs> no, they're all great questions. And I feel like... I only want to talk about just times I've given up on miniatures in each of those categories that you just laid out and maybe like look at, good idea. look at them and analyze that. Okay. So there was an idea for golden demon I had about an elf, um, sitting in a throne. It was, it was the, the book that I wanted to copy the cover of the book, which was called, I can't remember. Tuna of the sea. Yep. Chicken of the sea. SpongeBob guard fans. Chicken uh, in the basket. <laughs> I bought the model. I got seashells for the base diorama. I got other elements in line to, to do the idea for golden demon, but I didn't do it. Um, I instead I painted Drazar, uh, which is not done yet, but there was no golden demon. So was no, there was no end timeline for that. But anyways, the reason why I decided not to do that was um, was merely a matter of time, and so it was. Uh, I was excited about that idea, but I, I reasoned with myself that with three weeks until Adepticon, I think it was three weeks at that point, I wasn't going to be able to put enough time into the conversion of this model and paint it well, or vice versa. I would convert it poorly and paint it well, but it was enough time to give love to both stages. So in that case, it was the time and an uh what's the the word i'm looking for not end destination but like there was a time restriction and i wasn't able to get to where i wanted to be by the end of the time um doesn't matter anyways 
But yeah, time. That's one reason why you might give up on an idea. Yeah. I'm I my example of this is very similar to yours. Yeah. And that is yeah, yeah, the time crunch or a timeline. And for my very first crystal brush, I was planning to do it, the the squad category. So that's where you have like a, a team of minis or a unit of minis. That was called unit category. I guess, yeah, I think it's three or more. Three or more. And I had this whole death card unit all planned up. And it was five models that were that I had customized and completely kit bashed all five. And I had all five built. And I started painting this one. Then I'm like, okay, <laughs> uh, there's no way I'm going to get all five done. Uh, what's the minimum for the unit? Three. Okay. What are my three coolest <laughs> models for this? Those are the ones I'm going to focus on. And the time kept going. And I still wasn't done with the first one. <laughs> and finally, I realized I just need to commit to making this one as best as I can. Enter it in single model and abandon the idea of a unit piece so both of ours are related to a time restriction and i think there's something important to be said about that i have a bunch of ideas that i haven't done i haven't and and but i don't tell myself i've 100 percent given up on them um yeah because i may get inspired or i may come back to it uh, six months a year five years from now and realize now i have what i need either from a skill set standpoint from a base model standpoint from whatever to make that idea happen so i don't actively give up on a project but i will shelve it either mentally or physically or both um but yeah it, when you're dealing with time time in in a time restriction that is most often where you have to have that hard conversation with yourself that i need to abandon this yeah in some capacity yeah um there's a lot yeah, you asked a lot of good questions, but I also want to address what I feel like the spirit of the question is. Um, and that's when you give up on a model. I don't think at any point do you, f I mean, maybe this is just me being, this is how I think, but I wouldn't ever fully give up on a model and with with the knowledge that I am never going to paint this thing again and I haven't finished it at, at whatever stage I'm at. I think maybe the question is more like, I'm painting a model and I hate what it's looking like. When do you hit the reset button, strip it, strip a portion of it, and then restart and, and, and paint it again? Oh. So when is the paint scheme so far removed that you have to start over? Mm. Um, and I can, since I just posed the question, I think I, I'll, I'll try to answer it first, and you can kind of think about it while I stumble through it. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of an example of one at some point while painting a miniature i realized this looks like garbage all over and can't be used um i don't know i think that probably happens a lot when you're doing test models for armies mm. where you're kind of allowing yourself the ability to make mistakes and try things out and uh, uh see what they look like and that might need a hard reset but typically whenever i'm committed to some kind of thing it's not so terrible that I need to restart. And in fact, this is kind of a, a dangerous thing to dis discuss because we've mentioned the ass phase of the miniature before, right? Yeah. Some people might mistake the ass phase of a miniature for I need to restart. And I think that's a thing that often happens Yeah. is that you don't realize that if you just kept painting and just 
put more paint on more portions of the miniature, it would, it would look twice as good just because not everything's covered in black primer or white primer or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and when those other colors are on there, even if they're just a base coat, that can totally change the look of a mini. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think I'm, with, I'm there with you. I think this is leading into the portion of the question where we're talking about a, a color scheme. When do you abandon a color scheme? Okay. And okay. I don't think you need, I don't think it should be something that would happen to you very often where you would wholeheartedly abandon a full color scheme. I think like you're saying, you're working through the process of painting that mini and you may decide that that magenta just doesn't work the way I thought it would with the blue. So I'm going to keep working the model, massaging it with different colors. Maybe I remove that magenta and I make it some kind of a rusty orange instead and see how that looks, see how that plays with the other major colors on the model. Um, not being afraid to go over a section. It's only just paint. If you add a, if you paint on top of that, you're, you don't need to strip that, you know, right. as long as you're using thinnish paints, not big, heavy, goopy things, which you shouldn't have in the first place. Right. It's not going to obscure details. Yeah. So to answer your question, when should you give up on a paint scheme? I think the answer is when the model is fully painted and you can see your your full idea actualized. Because yeah. until then, you don't know how it's gonna what it's gonna look like and what it's gonna feel like. Um, so that's one question answered. All right. Bam. On to the next one. Wah, wah, wah. Okay. So the next one would be, um, when do you give up on a product? A mini uh. mini related product that's a tough one i mean when you see someone else online using a product and and you realize that whatever they're doing is a million times easier so for instance when i see someone uh pin wash something with an enamel wash and it's like that's mm. a lot easier than acrylic wash what am i doing with my life yeah obviously nothing of, good of course <laughs> of course it's the time and place for both enamel washes and acrylic washes um but yeah, that that that's 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 step number one. Maybe you see it maybe online somewhere. People are, are using some kind of product that make their life easier in an area where you uh, struggle. Mm-hmm. That could be number one. Uh, I mean, number two, you, you use a Vallejo primer and you don't let it uh, cure long enough, and it starts peeling off after you've let it cure for twenty minutes. So uh, experiencing hardship enough times for uh, you to want to try something different. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, so when you were saying when you see somebody else do something better, you're saying you're saying you're going to abandon what you have done because their thing looks better. Yeah, like you're exposed to a different technique, a different product, and you're like, wow, that looks way easier than what I do. I'm going to start doing that. Okay, so instead of using Agrax Earthshade, you're using the Tamiya panel liner. Yeah. As an um, example. I don't know. I kind of want to abandon using Scale 75 paints, and that's a choice that I've come to... I've come to like over the course of three years of using them. So it's not, and it's not because they're bad, but it's just because I know their properties uh, pretty well. And I know what the results, how, what results they produce and how, uh, what techniques you need to use to get good results with them. You know, maybe not in totality, but you know, a large amount. And uh, I want to try something different. Mm. So maybe after, maybe like you're burnt out of using a product because you use it so long and you're tired of its results and you want something different. Yeah. I think this falls into two buckets. At least it does for me mentally. The first bucket is you find out about something that accomplishes the same goal, but just simply does it better. 
or you experiment with something and you find that it works better for your goals or it helps you achieve a better uh, final product and over time you decide that it's simply more efficient for my work to continue with this and abandon what I'd done before. So first bucket, the example I'm gonna say here is, okay, something that I just find out there's something that does the same thing but does it better. When you use a super glue on your plastic models and then you find out about plastic cement that does the same thing but for plastic models, it just does it better. So I have abandoned using super glue on plastic models. Now, folks, in, in, I'm sure somebody's gonna say, well, actually in this situation, it would be better to use super glue. Yeah, it's and, faster drying and stuff like that. Yeah, and you can use accelerator and, and that kind of thing. And you're absolutely right. I'm not saying I never, ever, ever, or you should never, ever, ever. But in the purposes of a talking about abandoning, we're talking about from our regular workflow standpoint. Sure. That, that's one. One that just I've experienced recently was um, metal files, right? We all have those metal files that you can use when you're cleaning a model. Mm -hmm. And it kind of works like sandpaper, but they can, they can be a little bit more abrasive and really dig into stuff in, in bigger sections. You can really grind it down quicker. Mm-hmm. Recently, you and I went to a local store called Hub Hobby, mm -hmm. and I purchased mini versions of those. <laughs> so the regular ones are like, I don't know, like five inches long, and these are like two inches long, and they look like the same thing, but they just went in the Rick, the Rick Moranis Honey, I Shrunk the Kids thing, and they, went, <laughs> beep, and they made them tiny. And I've been using those. Oh my God, they're just so much better because they're smaller. <laughs> and there's so many spots in little minis and especially plastic and resin minis where I can get into corners and under armpits and right, you know, in their ball sack and stuff. And clean <laughs> off, clean the ball sack um, properly. Man, dude, can you imagine filing a ball sack? That just yeah, feels yeah. wrong on a natural level. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, sometimes, you know, there's a mold line in that ball sack. You got to clean it off. That's not the mold line. That's natural. <laughs> It's all natural. <laughs> what, you got a mold line on your ball sack? Kind of, yeah. It right runs down, all right the way right down. down the middle, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you better take a file to those. So there's, <laughs> so I don't, and there's, I'm not throwing away or selling my old files, but they're going to sit in a drawer, you know, 95% of the time probably when I need a file. If it's yeah. a big piece, you know, and those big old sons of Bahamut come out, I might bring out the big old files again. Mm, okay. But for now, this is that. Okay, that's bucket one. I found a thing, and I found a better version that does that thing. Bucket two, I've decided to make a transition to test something myself, and I've grown to decide that I'm going to shed my old skin. Mm. An example of this would be you deciding to move away from scale paints. And you wouldn't just one day do it and be like, I'm just never using a scale paint again. I, no, bought, I yeah. bought all these whatever paints. I'm just going to use them instead. But you would start to use those new paints more. You'd really get to figure out how they work, in what ways they either help or hurt where you're at, and really try to improve your painting with that. At that point, a natural point might come where it's just like, I just don't find myself using scale paints anymore. I always reach for these new ones instead. And that's where in 
of maybe not a you know you know shouting it from the rooftops, but you have abandoned a product where I just I've grown beyond it. That's not to say never. I might they make some great thin down glazes with scales, and they've got a couple of colors I really love. I'm not abandoning them forever, but sure, yeah, for the majority, I've moved beyond. Not your daily driver pain range. That's right. So abandoning a product. Is there any other examples you can think of, or any other reasons why you would maybe abandon cost? Oh, things sure. become prohibitively expensive. So I want to use this super expensive contrast paint, eight yeah. bucks a pop. Uh, but yeah, I guess if you run out of a bottle of it, right? Because that abandoning means that you have enveloped it first, right? So at one point you owned it. Yeah. So, so I guess it's refer to like products that increase in price over time. Oh sure. Yeah. So like when you like when all of us accidentally boop over our null oil pot and it goes everywhere. <laughs> Maybe it's the cost is the reason for abandoning using none oil. And instead, I got this big tube of black oil paint, and that will last me my lifetime to make my own washes out of. Maybe that's the catalyst I need to make that abandoning step. Yeah, possibly. That's a good one. Um, What about... Uh, I'm switching from products now. I'm switching back to individual models. Okay. What about if it's fine cast? (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of a decision you make before you even begin painting, right? So there is no, I mean, unless you went and bought the model knowing that it wasn't, that it was going to be bad. I don't know. To me, that's different than like getting halfway through painting a model and then being like, I don't like this. I want to restart. That's a decision you should have made right in the beginning. (laughs) Well, sometimes you just uh, are optimistic. (laughs) And you're thinking that, but more, I see that happening more often is still part of the hobby spectrum. And that is the, the cleaning it and prepping it and assembling it phase. And you're like, his spear is this wobbly spaghetti noodle. And he's got such a, a shift that from the mold that his face is like all off centered and there's bubbles from the resin everywhere. Well, this is while I'm like assembling and cleaning it. I might just abandon it. Right. And there's a lot of other factors that go into that. You know, it's like, oh, I bought a lot on eBay and he was in there. He's cool, kind of cool model. I wanted to paint him. I'm not super invested in that one model. I might just abandon that son of a bitch and be like, screw it. I can't do it. Or so I got is, it cheaper or whatever. You realize that uh, this model is going to take a an amount of effort and you are not ready to invest. And so you kind of just like give up because you don't want to have to expend that effort and Maybe possibly not enjoy the process. Yeah. I think the thing I'm trying to dance around right now that I don't want to say is that when you stop having fun, you should stop painting the model. (laughs) It's like, that's dangerous. Right. Because this is coming off of the heels of last week where we just said to do hard things and to finish what you start. Well, this is two weeks ago. Oh, sorry. This is four weeks ago. (laughs) Two (laughs) Two fortnights. Yeah. Uh, So it's like, I don't want to say you abandon a model when you're not enjoying painting it anymore because there's value in finishing stuff and there's value in doing things that are difficult. This is actually the great, I think a great fallacy of modern thinking of, of, of people, you know, younger people, a lot of people will say everyone is that because I want to do it and I'm not hurting anyone, it's okay to do. Sure. A perfect example of this is I want to eat Doritos every single night. I will be fat if I do that, it has repercussions. So it's like, you shouldn't just always do what you feel you want to do. Cause oftentimes it might not be good for you in the long run. 
That's a really hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Doing what's easy is not always doing what's right. Oh yeah. You just, that you just summarized what I said in five minutes and <laughs> six seconds. <laughs> um, I think that's a really interesting point to touch on and, and to differentiate too. Walking away from something because it stops being fun, I think is we should say is is not the same as abandoning it. Yeah. Saying that my excitement is now driven somewhere else and I'm going to ride that wave of excitement is is great. As long as I know like there's got to be a time where I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to be re- renewed, a new set of eyes, um, a new motivation to finish this thing. I'll come back to it. It's not abandoned. But this new one is getting me excited. As long as you don't continuously stop yourself when it gets hard and then move on somewhere else. Because if you always stop yourself when it gets hard, you're not going to get better. Yeah. And you're not going to get that back to the four weeks ago. You're not going to get to that level of true satisfaction of completing something, of going through something hard. Right. Because you abandon it. Even if you're telling yourself, I didn't abandon it, I just moved on to something else. Well, if you got a lot of three quarters painted minis, because you, you're just never going to worry about dotting the I's. Um, you know, it's not quite there. Maybe that level of satisfaction is if you actually got that pupil right that one time and he doesn't look cross-eyed, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're going to learn from that. You'll be more satisfied to, to take some risks and to try new things. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I like to, I like to do a mixture of advice that is not tangible and also advice that is tangible. So let's say you have a miniature you're not enjoying, put it aside we're not going to abandon anything we paint. Paint two projects and then come back to it. And that is to say that you have, you should have some kind of schedule for getting back to the thing that you gave up on. Because if you don't have a schedule, the easy thing to do is just to never get back to it. Right. But then say to yourself, well, I'm not abandoning it like you were just saying. Right. But you really are. So develop a schedule for yourself to return to things that you once gave up on. And maybe the plan isn't to finish that thing, but just to kind of reinterpret it, start it over again, toss on a new color, and then maybe see if you like it now. And maybe you won't. Maybe you'll stop again and then go something else. But at least you keep you're, you continue to come back to it, try new things, and, and, and persevere. I think one thing that's helped me with that... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. It's the nonverbal cue that you're doing okay. <laughs> um... I I try to keep my non-finished painted minis in in view of my painting desk. Interesting. So at my desk or on a shelf really nearby where I can't avoid looking at them. Right. And if you follow or do your best to follow the paint on brush every day thing, you'll find you'll go back to them naturally. Because sometimes it's like, okay, I got to get paint on my brush today. I'm committed to doing this. I only got 10, 15 minutes or I'm just not really feeling it today. Let me just grab something that already has paint on it, right? Something that I, I put on the shelf because I wasn't loving it at the time. I find that I will grab something that already has been started rather than going through the kind of mental hurdles of starting something brand new from scratch and oh, what colors am I going to use or how am I going to make this work? Or is this going to be part of an army? Does that have to look similar to that? Or, oh, I, I, I just have so much mental stuff that I've got to get through for a start of a project, but something that's already started. A lot of that stuff, it just kind of melts away and I just put paint on the mini. So don't, don't let yourself avoid it. Don't throw it in a box in a closet because that's where stuff gets, a, gets abandoned, whether you like it or not. Okay. So inside of you. 
Yep. Insight and then just say, well, this maybe has hit my um, can only paint 15 minutes today pile and I'll work on it 15 minutes at a time. And maybe at one point I'll look at it. I'm excited. And it's like tonight I have two hours. I'm going to go to that one because I got it to a point where I'm excited again. Let it, let me come back to it naturally. Okay. I think, uh, I don't know you could abandon a miniature when you damage it beyond repair. Yeah. I was thinking that too. Like you left a, you left a box in your 120 degree car and, and they all melted. Yeah. Or you're a dingus like me and I travel with super glue and models in like this, this kind of, you know, like those boxes you get that have like, you can, like dividers, you can take them out and put them in. They, mm-hmm. go, they can hold all kinds of stuff. Battle foam. Yeah. Well, not battle foam, but like they're for any hobbies. They're little containers, little plastic containers. Hobby foam. <laughs> Okay. Container uh, foam. <laughs> There's no foam in it. It's just plastic. <laughs> just plastic. Uh, I uh, I brought some models in there for to assemble. I went to like a convention for work. It was like, I don't know, it doesn't matter. But I was going to assemble like during the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I had super glue in there and some models that were partially assembled. And I went home with it and the super glue leaked into the models. <laughs> They're fucked. <laughs> You can't use them anymore. Oh, no. Um, what, what models were they? They were the, uh, what's like the skirmish game for 40K? There's a few of them. Kill Team? Not Kill Team. The other one. Underhive. Necromunda. Necromunda. It was a Necromunda team. The one that I didn't, Vansar. The old men with ponytails and sci-fi guns and shields. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't really care about them a whole lot because I, that was during a time where I was like, I want to buy a Necromunda team. And they were like the coolest one. And then... Like literally a month every other, later, every other one after that was cooler. Yeah, yeah everyone. <laughs> and this is my fault because I should have just looked at the old Necromunda game and saw the old squads or the old gangs, and I'm like, yeah. obviously these are coming out. They're way cooler. I should wait for that. But so it doesn't matter a whole lot. But that is an example of you destroyed a model and you can't paint it anymore. <laughs> so just don't. Yeah, I I am. I think that there's something that's probably a little bit more like less obvious on that spectrum i should say less obvious that still kind of is okay to apply as well okay if it's gonna if it's something that you're not in love with and it's going to be so much more effort to get it to where you're going to have a a finished painted model maybe it's okay to spend to abandon that and to spend your time painting something else so this this sword has broken at the hand four <laughs> times it, it can't be pinned um the joint is not strong enough it's for a gaming piece yeah if you're a quitter it can't and, be pinned and it <laughs> it's super thin or whatever and it just doesn't work well you know you've got some options there but one of them is kit bash a new one for that dude and may paint that one and make that one look cooler than what you had been working on there sometimes it's okay to abandon a model if you're going to find something else that excites you to replace that model, you know, or I really, really wanted to, you know, paint this many for this purpose for either a competition or just for fun. And then I realized actually I own something that for that kind of paint scheme, I th- I'm more excited about it turning out better in this scheme. And this one isn't maybe be good for something else. Okay, I'll, I'll put that one aside. I'll abandon it for this painting project. It doesn't mean I'm throwing it in the garbage. I'm not going to paint it. I'm going to go over here. So, like, if you really wanted to do a glow from hell 
right? Stupid red glow from hell, mini. <laughs> and you started on one, and then you're like, oh, crap, I forgot. I got that bust from FER Miniatures. I totally should use that one. That one seems way cooler, but I had to do this for. Okay, abandon the stupid red glow on this one and embrace it on this one. <laughs> Have you seen Abalam? Or a Balam. Uh it's a it's a bust. It's a demon bust. Actually, it's not a bust. It's the D and D race ha- tiefling. Mm, I don't know. It's called Abalam or Abalam, Prince of Hell. Uh, can't remember the company that made it. Um, but uh, Roman Lapot painted it, and it was one of the first times I saw something painted from below, illuminated from below, and it was like he's in hell. So it's like red and fiery. Have you seen that model? Is he look kind of like a fire demon? Yeah, kind of. He comes with a version where he has like a samurai helmet or no helmet. Hmm. I'm sure I have, but I can't. I I was thinking of the different bust that's actually a demon that looks like he's made like he is out of fire okay no it's not that okay it's, it's older uh that might change your opinion about hating red glow all right anyone can do it that's roman zero days uh damn you roman uh another time where you might and this something i thought of while you were just speaking there is if you're painting a model that it's going to maybe teach you or give you similar like emotions or feelings as something else you already have or already painted. Like I'm painting something and it's not for an army because this happens all the time when you're painting for an army, but it's for artistic joy. And you're like, I've already done something similar to this. I don't need to do it again. Mm. I'm just going to give up. But that's, I don't know how applicable that is because you can paint something in so many different ways that right. when is it ever going to be like, I've already done this. I'm going to try something else. Yeah. Because doing something, I mean, shortcut to moral of the story here is doing the same thing multiple times is how you get better at it. True. Yeah. Um, But if you're bored with feeling like this is so samey same that I need to abandon it, that can be an, a mental abandoning of this in saying I am from here this point on to the rest of the finishing of this mini, I'm going on a different trajectory. Sure. I'm abandoning my initial thought because it feels too samey same and I'm done with that. I'm going to try something. I'm going to tweak it differently as I go. And so often we are going to think about abandoning as some physical, like throw it down and say, I'm through with you. I want a divorce. Uh, I declare (laughs) bankruptcy. (laughs) Michael, I'm not sure that's how that works. (laughs) Um, And so sometimes you can just have that conversation with yourself and that can be kind of uplifting to say i am now abandoning this and taking this in this crazy new direction and i want to see where it goes so be if you get bored or if you're like this is i just already did this say screw it abandon it and change midstream but don't just like every time it feels like people get paint on something and if they, they don't like where it's going or it's not what they intended or whatever they feel like they need to strip and restart I mean, we've said this a hundred times. Yeah, I made a skip making fun of those people. <laughs> By taking a bath in civil game. <laughs> um, this, this boom armor has no detail. <laughs> civil green. Uh, I can't believe I can recall that video. It's it a like great skit. Two years later. Oy, oy, oy. Uh, but yeah, don't don't just paint over it. Just say this is still it still looks good. I can just take a direction from here. Instead of keep building my highlights up to cream, I'm gonna build my highlights up with a bright orange and just go with that. Just don't 
Don't undo everything you've done um, just because you're not happy with where you're at right now. What it looks like right now is not what it will look like in the end. So, yeah, I mean, we're kind of getting to the point where we're we're taking the word abandon and we're kind of changing the meaning of it. Uh, yeah, you could almost consider abandonment cutting corners, right? So, like when I'm painting Orion, dude's got a billion leaves on him. I'm not going to paint every single leaf a different color like you would see in nature. I'm instead going to skip that. I'm going to cut a corner and maybe just do a gradient from top to bottom. So there is differentiation, but I'm not going insane painting a bunch of fine cast leaves where the majority of the details on the edge of the leaf and everything else is just like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's just a blobby blob. Yeah. It's pokey edges. Yeah. It's just, there's so much edge going on in that model. <laughs> Did you edge highlight all those leaves? I did the ones that were closer up on top top. Sure. That would actually catch light on an edge. Yeah, so but like sure. the ones on the bottom were like kind of murky and brown and that's how it looks like, like in the real leaves. world. Yeah. Well, hopefully. But yeah, so I don't know if we would consider that abandonment, but there are lots of times during a painting process where I will cut a corner and go a different way and pivot uh and abandon an original thought I had because uh what I was doing wasn't working. Like mm. uh I washed the dogs in black. And they were zenithly coated in in white, and the jo- dogs are mostly white. But washing it in black was a mistake because it stained the white a ton. I thought with the amount of gloss varnish I put on and the sharp detail, it would stay mostly white, but just the retices would be black. But that was a mistake I made. Um, so then the next dog, I might do something different. I might wash it in gray instead of black and get uh, a different, better result. Yeah. But now this is not abandonment. This is just I learned a lesson and did something differently now. <laughs> Yeah, we're just taking this word abandoning and we are just applying it to everything. Everything. And it works. <laughs> Whenever I have to yawn, like my voice gets higher. Like right now. <laughs> <laughs> I still think this is all applicable. All applicable. We are just making our own definition of the word abandonment. Sure, right. Yeah, but I think that the stuff we talked about in the beginning was really true to form of like tangible abandonment of like, I'm throwing this thing away. I am stopping using this product. I am no longer going to paint this style. Um, Can you think of hobby products you've abandoned? I abandoned uh, GWPVA glue. Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just costs too much for what it is right <laughs> for being s- school glue <laughs> i uh i abandoned the pash pache posh talon posh. v2 airbrush me too the first one i bought it served me well but there are other ones out there that are better it did not serve me well no it did. you wait you had one too we had the same one with the orange end and now we have the same one again and we have we have come back together and we have we airbrush have, brothers <laughs> we we both had posh and we both had Sotar, and now we both have HPCS. Did you know HPCS is like the is like the middle of the road airbrush that they make? Is it really? Yeah. So I went I went on their site. Uh, What's the Cadillac? The Cadillac is the Micron. Oh, I just assumed that meant it was it's smaller shooter size. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you guys don't catch this technical jargon. <laughs> The new diameter is smaller on the Micron, um, but there are other features that make it more, uh, what's the word I want to use? Good. Yeah. <laughs> it's more gooder, Fence, I think. Fence, fence. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, there's several categories. 
and you can click on them and it's like for medium level detail the hpcs it's like why well, paint freaking miniatures like what the <laughs> heck? what's the best one so it's the micron it costs about 500 400 bucks whoa uh, but there's one in between the micron and the hpcs that i think there's like five different levels of airbrushes you can get and so that got me thinking the micron is kind of like is not but it's kind of like the infinity of harder and steenbeck sure the harder and steenbeck one is not 500 dollars. It's, it's something it's probably like 250 yeah it's something something like that um but yeah it got me thinking you got me thinking and thinking i did buy a second i want i bought that one that's got a wider needle yeah um because i want to use that for like bigger projects or for blowing through like enamels and um stuff like that that i i want a I want a wider nozzle right because you were sick of your your old one after it clogged right after you cleaned it yeah that was the a 20 dollar master's airbrush i got off of ebay let me ask a question about that i don't think i've ever had an airbrush clog well i haven't had one clog in like two years what you're saying happens is you, while you're using your airbrush product will no longer come out of it correct. and it's not because it's dry tip correct it, wow! It'll really, shoot, it'll shoot through air even still, but it, no, no, no dry tip even sometimes. And no, I mean sometimes it is dry tip. More often than not, it's something clogged behind there. Wow! That's um, you know, that's preventing any product from going through. Dang! And so sometimes what you can do is you can crank up your psi, you can unscrew your needle, pull your needle halfway out, and then <laughs> blow. <laughs> And that'll shoot shoot the stuff through. Yeah, but that doesn't always work, right? Because sometimes it's partially dried in a big goobery thing, and it, even if a bit comes out, it, it won't get all of it, or it's a big enough chunk. So, yeah, I don't know. I I'm just not really good at airbrush. So yeah, neither am I. <laughs> you know, you probably learned that from your Jazza video. That's like, I really wish I could be able to do all this with airbrush. Yeah, that's a big model. That's pretty good. I see, like, the people that use a, a lot, though, they do that for either filtering interesting color gradations over surfaces or they do the main pieces, even on big pieces. I'm looking at, like, Trent Zenison and, and Sergio Calvo. Yeah, you do the flash Angel or Haraldas. something like that. Yeah, you do, a, like, the main section to really build up with, with airbrush. You're not doing what you did, where you literally tried to paint <laughs> every belt and everything or choose not to do that because it's not really possible <laughs> yeah um and just do it all kind of in one gradation but if they're hitting multiple things with this crimson kind of interesting light from below that's really faint then it would it's likely that that would hit all surfaces and it's okay but they're not just like i mean they're still way better than me like a million times but yeah whatever, whatever. okay other hobby products we've abandoned gw brushes yeah i abandoned that hard palettes Hard palettes. Screw hard palettes. Yeah. I see some people still use that for metallics and stuff sometimes. Yeah, they're in denial. Yeah, I don't... Well, okay, the whole metallic thing, yeah. People think ridiculous things about that. I've been meaning to do an experiment. I think we discussed this maybe briefly on the podcast. Yeah. People uh, think, people think metallic the pigments... Or not. They think metallic pigments get into the sponge and then get into your other paints. Maybe that happens. Maybe Mika flakes are small enough to get through the pores in parchment paper. Maybe if they if they do, 
is it that big of a deal? So I want to do this test where I take a pot of paint and pour it into my wet palette. Just full scale. Just like... <laughs> then put paper down and then paint and then see if you can if my space brain turns into a sparkle marine. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what would happen. Uh, that, that, but you know, that situation is not what normally happens. They're talking about a few flakes getting through and then transferring over to something else. Mm. Which to me, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I always put my pen, I always put my metallics on a, on a wet palette, and uh, I've had never had any problems. Almost just because I'm too lazy to have a second thing to have to clean or throw away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I have collected over the last two years like 700 uh, screw tops from like water bottles that I just keep them all for things like when I need to transfer out some color of an airbrush or whatever, I can like just throw it in the, that lid. But I guess in theory, I've got all these lids I could put the metallic paints just in one of those, but I just never do. I'm just like, I already have the panel. Oh, I don't care. It's fine. You know, people talk about using a different water cup for your metallics or change out your water after you use metallics and stuff. And that to me, that's more reasonable because if you do a lot of metallics and just swirl the water, you can see tons of the flakes. But that being said, sometimes I'm feeling lazy and the model's got like a few elements of gold filigree. I'll use some gold and then paint some more of the rest of the model and yeah. nothing ever happens. Yeah. In your average single miniature, there's not so much metallic flakes that it yeah. matters. I'm thinking like a gray knight. Like you paint all of his silver armor. Now you want to paint his white cloth and it's like, okay, you might get some sparkles in the white. Maybe. You know, maybe. Um, I have given up on the GW mold line remover. Kind of embarrassed to say that I own it. I own it too. Uh, I don't know why I bought it. I've always thought it was stupid. I got it because a local, I had a gift certificate from a local painting competition. This is when I first started that I, that I won their little painting contest and I had like a $25 gift card and they didn't really carry many products. And this is at a time where I was still very new and didn't want to commit to spending $60 on a box for models of, I don't really play the game. I don't really particularly like them. And they didn't carry very many products. So I was like, I don't know what to have here that looks good. And I'm like, oh, if this thing works so much better than trying to use an X-Acto blade and cleaning a model, sweet. I'm going to get that. And, of course, the guy that worked there was like, oh, yeah, dude, it's so much smoother. And I'm like, oh, sweet. <laughs> so I bought that because I had $25 gift certificate, and that was $25. There's my excuse. The fucking thing, it works awesome if you're, like, cleaning a giant rhino. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a not dull, it's a dull piece of metal. Yeah. Right. It just has a, it has a machined edge to it. So if you can get it flat and flush over a large surface and then just let it run, it won't scrape anything, but it'll just peel off that little, that little mold line. But in the hobby that we're in, how often do you have that opportunity where this fairly large metal square end can just go over that and there's not, intricate little you know raises and detail and changes and surfaces and all these little things that that thing physically cannot cannot get fit into mm-hmm. so i don't i haven't used it in a long time what else i is there any paints or paint kind of products you don't use anymore i mean i don't i was gonna say another gw one but like here i can do something oh go ahead go ahead uh, I painted an entire model, an Arena Rex model, in Reaper's Master Series paints. And 
it was not an intentional decision to not use them ever again, just one that naturally occurred. So from my experience using them, it was not compelling enough to use them. So I kind of abandoned them. They've sat up there and I've never used them a single time again. Are they thinner? Yes. Yeah, that's I have like, I don't know, maybe ten Reaper paints and I had used almost or no, I've used all the colors multiple times and then I just never came back to them because they were too thinned. And sometimes I want more body to my paint. Yeah. Oftentimes I do. Yeah. I if I want it to that thin state, I can get it there myself pretty fast. But I want to be able to have it to have a little bit more body to it. Um they didn't always cover really great at least some of the colors didn't cover really great with that too which kind of bummed me out or turned me off to them so i just kind of not on purpose too they have a couple of specific colors that i really like that i could see myself going back to and grabbing and using again but i just haven't used their paints a lot okay can you think of any examples where you gave up on models specifically paint jobs or where you started a model and like this sucks i'm gonna redo it and then Mm, there's one that jumps out to me um, it was a metal confrontation mini. This was, I'd been painting for about not very long, six months. And it has a lot of, he's just like a muscly bear chest dude with a big ax and like a death dealer helmet on and cool model metal. I got it all cleaned and primed and everything, but I was to a point where, um, and maybe now was still the case. He had a ton of differences in ver- in depth on his skin over very small surfaces, like all the muscles, like the giant six pack and all these exaggerated muscle tones that were like, they had a lot of curves to them. And mm-hmm. like they went way out and then way in, then way out and way in, way out and way in, in very small periods of time. Right. <laughs> I abandoned the model because I started with his, um, with his skin tones and I, f- I, I felt like I couldn't get any mid-tones anywhere. Everything was either a very tiny thing that was a raised portion or a very major thing that would obviously be in shadow and get no light. And so it ended up looking so stupid because it was just like all highlights and shadows. Yeah. And there wasn't enough. too exaggerated. Yeah, it was so exaggerated. I just had no surface area to make it look like it was, just looked right at all to my eye. This said... It was all primed black. All I had done was his chest and like his biceps. That's all I had painted and I gave up. So there was no other colors around him. So maybe if I would have continued and got more of the surfaces with color on them, I would have come up with something. Okay. I could have reestablished it. But at the time I was just like, this looks like poop. I don't know how to make it better. (laughs) I abandoned it. It's still sitting in my drawer, still on the hobby holder thing or a cork or something and pinned into it. So. You remind me of something. Uh, I had this this video series a long time ago. It was two videos long. It was called How I Paint. And I did it in the first year. So 2016, I made my channel. And I paint, I was painting a succubus from a, the Dark Elder, a 40K army. Drew Hikari. And I wanted to try something new with the skin tone. And so I painted it in a cream colored, just like an off-white yellow. And I wanted to glaze blue into the shadows to do blue shadows. Sure. Uh, and I did it with ink and it looked shit. <laughs> and then I did it and then I was like, I need to fix this. I need to introduce warmth into the skin tone because she looks ridiculous. 
So I glazed orange into the highlights and midtone. And she looked like a clown. <laughs> Actually, literally. The, uh, I don't have footage of the clown, but I have a picture of it in that video. And it's heinous. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, this is not worth salvaging. I didn't strip it. I just repainted over it. Sure. And it looks fine. Uh, you never know there's a clown under there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, if you had stripped it, you'd get to a layer that was orange and blue. <laughs> like, are you a Bears fan? Like, what's going on here? Um, that, for our non-American viewers, the Bears are a football team in American football that have orange and blue colors. All right, anyways, so yeah, that was a point where I full-scaled was like, nope, this is shit, I'm restarting. Uh, and I, yeah, it just looked like terrible. I, I just came to the conclusion that this was not salvageable. It was not worth salvaging and tried something else. Sometimes when you paint a clown, you can make your way through and it turns out okay. Sometimes when you paint a clown, you just need to stop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you're to that point where you're just like, which I'm guessing that's where you're at. You're like, I don't know where to go from here (laughs) to make make this not look like Garbo. Yeah. I'm just going to start over. I think that feels more reasonable to me. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Nice. All right. You have anything else you want to say about uh, abandoning projects or anything else? No, I feel like we we need to abandon this, this conversation. This conversation. <laughs> All right. Jettison in three, two, one. All right. On to the news. We got some news for you today. Number one on the list. Monument Hobbies and Creature Caster broke up. Yeah. They are no longer one in the same. Yeah. The Monument Hobbies didn't like to be known as the Creature Caster paint. Mm. anymore um monument hobbies is is i don't know if it's owned or if it's run by or in collaboration with the the streamer slow fuse slow fuse is it owned by him yes okay jason and jen uh jason is slow fuse they um they are monument hobbies Mm. um and they even before they were together with creature caster they had their own line of products originally yeah like the magic brush soap thing the soap they had their own brushes. line of brushes uh both synthetic and sable hair they have like uh hobby go bags they're called they're kind of like it looks like a padded lunch bag <laughs> uh but it can have all your hobby stuff in it and actually really efficient for space and kind of cool stuff really cool and they have like uh paint racks and stuff like that so they've got a bunch of products they they got into the paints i think as part of this connectivity to join creature caster it was probably, and I don't know this for certain, but that would be my guess because that would be like a catalyst for joining forces to have an all-in-one company, right? right? All these awesome, all these awesome models and all the things you need to paint them. Yes. Um, and so that was kind of the catalyst there, but they were still fairly separate in what they did. You know, Peter, yeah. Peter and crew in Canada were all the, you know, the model makers and then um slow fuse slow jason fuse and craze yeah jason craze and, and jen were the folks in in arizona um handling all the paint stuff and all the other stuff related to their hobby products so i think at a certain point they just they both benefited i think from being together so i think that the the time that they had together they both increased some reach of their brand and i also agree that they could be mutually beneficial for them to now part ways 
So does this mean that Creature Caster isn't shipping things from a United States depot anymore? Because I know Jason did that. Yeah, he was the hub for all the U.S. shipping. So now we have to pay Canadian shipping prices. I don't... I'd like to think that if this was something they were kind of trying to mull around for a while, that that's something the Creature Caster crew probably had figured out a solution to. Okay. Because they had a European hub as well that okay. where they'd ship shipped out of there but it it was something that was kind of a um was still not all the kinks worked out of it and they didn't get re- replenished in products as quickly over there yet but that's something that's worked on what's interesting though is that now they kind of get the benefits of each of them got the benefits of the other of i'm getting a model I'm going to get a couple paints too, or I'm going to get a brush too and yeah, vice versa. That cross pollination. Yeah. That, and that's great. And the way that the shipping worked in within their company that that worked out well. Now on the flip side of it, if I, I'm hearing a lot about monument paints here, all these good things, a lot of great people are talking about it, whatever. I'm just speaking as any sprue to spruette. And I hear great things about their paint. I go to their website and I immediately, I'm accosted by nasty Nurgle demons and boobies hanging out everywhere. All I came here for was some paint. What if that's not my thing? So I'm talking about potential positives for Jason and Jen. Okay. It's brand imagery, imagery and, and trying to, you know, be more inclusive to people buying into their products. And we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the crew of creature caster up in Canada, um, <laughs> that, they, they get to just focus on and streamline on and, and really build their brand without other distractions, right? Because I know their crew was still involved and Peter was still involved in a lot of the hobby side stuff, but that just wasn't their passion or wasn't what they were tied to and it wasn't what their focus was. So I'm sure there's a lot of more work because we're a bigger company. Yeah. It was a little weird because it was just like, why is this called a monument? Why is don't why isn't this just creature caster paint? It's like, oh, it's someone else is making this and you're selling it in a weird collaborative effort. It was just always kind of strange. All right. Yeah, they were yeah, it always felt that they were always kind of like, well, we're married but we sleep in different bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well that's uh that's it. Those guys broke up. So if you want monument hobbies, they have their own website now no longer sold on CC's website. They are selling out whatever remaining stock they have. Yeah. We'll put a link below for for both of their both of their websites. Yeah. We we support and and love I don't know what you I love all the stuff. I love what Monument does and I love what Creature Caster does. I have a lot of products from both companies. Yeah. I'm not doing anything wrong as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. All right. Next up the forty K Indominus quote unquote shitstorm. Yeah. <laughs> I just called it a shitstorm. I mean that's kind of more or less what it is. Yeah. Um, so they, GW, like, reaches out to store owners, local friendly game store owners, to say, we need to know how many boxes you're predicting you're going to need. Okay, this is something they've done for a long time. It's the clunkiest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> it's so goddamn dumb. And then our, you know, local store people are like, uh, owners, game store owners are like, Hey team, uh, on Facebook or whatever. Hey team, who wants to order? Does anyone have an idea how oh many my we want? Gosh, that literally Seriously? have to do that. Yes, everyone's gonna say yes. Yes, and you're gonna get like twenty percent of your 
Uh, so dumb. Yes. So they get them and they're like, okay, our local store, not a ton of people, not a, you know, it's not a big town, whatever. We had like 17 people that said yes, which is a lot of boxes of that stuff. And like everywhere else, um, comes back around, pre-orders are set, all this stuff, and they're nowhere to be found. Your 17 is actually seven. You actually don't get all the boxes that you said you wanted. And we, you know, it's sold out on GW's website in in under an hour. And suddenly this box is gone. The second it was available, it's gone. And GW said, well, it's actually a limited edition box. Uh, so it's gone. <laughs> and people lost their fucking minds. It wasn't ever even really clear that this wasn't the starter set. It's like launches just almost side by side with the new ninth edition, all this stuff. I assumed it was the new ninth starter box. So did I. And it's, it's not. not. It's not. It's a limited edition box. So then when that started to sink in to everybody, because nobody really questioned it, because what is that's just semantics, you know, whatever you call it is whatever you call it, until you realize this is a limited edition box, meaning, oh, not only did I not get mine, there's no guarantee that they're going to make any more. That's not typically how GW works. Like the Sisters of Battle box. Hold on. You, when you say I didn't get mine, that means... I put a comment on my local hobbies Facebook post saying, who wants one? And I said, yes. That counts you as a, put, you it, didn't put money down. It counts as a pre-order, but GW doesn't take money for that. I mean, some, I don't think stores do either, but maybe some do. Okay. But no money's being put down. Like no one's getting bamboozled, are they? Right. But it's with the ex- expectation that you have with your local game store or even an online pre-order that I... Sign I up. Pay. I, I pay for online pre-orders. It, then they will. Then what they do is they send you your money back, right? Because there is no product for you to have, right. and because I have thought with my pre-order, whether I put down money or didn't put down money, I assume I'm getting the product, and then when I just straight up don't, and they send me my money back, the day that it's released is when they're going to do that because they didn't know this information either. None of these retailers knew any of this, or yeah. online retailers. Yeah. So then. I'm screwed because they're already gone everywhere. I learned the information that I can't get it from where I thought I was getting it after the fact that I could actually do something about it. Right. And then they're all gone. And guess what happens that very same day? Scalpers. Scalpers. So they're all gone. But now that box is, I don't know, 500 bucks on eBay. You want one? <laughs> no. Uh, okay. So it's worth mentioning that I, I do think there are online stores that did take pre-orders for Indominus as a way to figure out how many they wanted to get from GW that are now no longer able to fulfill those orders. Yep. So like act, not just a Facebook comment, but actual money. Yes. There That's are people just what my, I'm just giving example of what my local store does. And yeah. I know a lot of other local stores do that way too, because an extra transaction of, of, you know, we know all our play group, whatever someone says they're going to well, want a box. We're a smaller store. It's not that many boxes. Right. You know, it's fine. Right. And they can send back. Like GW has a whole system of sending product back at the, and whatever, and they can get other things. Okay. Same price range. So it's it's not a big deal. So then, you know, 48 hours later, GW says, oh, whoopies. They never said whoopies. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they made a, a, they basically said, okay, we realize it's all sold out because of, because of your great support. Not that we fucked up and we didn't produce nearly as many as were needed. Uh, we're going to have this open like print-to-order system where if you go directly through GW's website and order one of these, they'll have one made to order for you and it's open for like two weeks or something. 
And so that cuts out the scalpers. Does it, it though? I, yeah. What happens after the two-week period? You can only buy one per person. Yeah, so but the scalpers already got those their their boxes, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and people are still going to break them down and sell them model by model, unit by unit. It's like they do right. with every GW right. box. It's right. just there's not infinite quantity in theory as there is now. Um, I mean, people are blaming the scalpers on this, but I don't, I mean... It's this is a free market that's it's good where people are trying to flip something to make money because there's a market to do it. I don't blame them because they had to go through and buy these boxes just like all the hell the rest of us. They signed up for buying ten and you signed up for buying one. If they got eight of their ten, you got zero your one. I don't blame them. I blame the company that produced the product that set up a system for sign up and didn't fulfill their, their the desire, and then they're saying it's limited edition. We're not going to make anymore. You can be mad at scalpers, and and I, you know, there's something that they you can be mad at there, but you need to be mad at is someone lying to you about saying you pre order a thing. We're going to meet your quantity. Yes, yeah. and then just not do it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's all I want to say about that. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. And I'm sure there's... A, okay. I did some research and looked into this to figure out exactly what went, went down because I wasn't entirely certain on it. And I'm sure there's a lot more minutia and this possibility I got something wrong in what I just said, but I'm fairly certain I'm in the ballpark. So... Okay. Enough to make a... Have an opinion. Okay. Fair enough. Last thing, GHB 2020 comes out for Age of Sigmar and it's missing some info. Yeah, what's it missing, Scott? About seven armies worth of their points? Yeah. The now, newer ones. Yeah, the seven most recent books. What? <laughs> <laughs> so Yes, yeah, so that's probably over like a year's worth of books. I can't think of a reason why. They claim it's because of... All right, to, just to clarify, we say the points that are in there. It's even more confusing than that. All those seven armies, their points are in the book. They're just wrong. How are they wrong? Anything that was be that is changed for that army that is to be changed, just like every other army had points updates and tweaks, just like your Blood Knights points went down. Okay. More if that. those armies had tweaks, and they will have tweaks, if those armies have seven armies have tweaks and points, the pre-tweaked points are what they put in that book. <sighs> How confusing. <laughs> yep. Is that made obvious anywhere in the book itself? No, it's, it's online. They, they posted uh, something about it where it said, and they tell you what seven armies they are. And like, oh, they'll have, in the near future, they'll have an FAQ update available online with their true points. GW just needs to realize that this is not the way you balance a system that moves this quickly. Remove points from books entirely, put them only online, and then you can make fucking weekly patches to your game yeah. and balance it agile like really quickly this book thing is ridiculous and then you do this dumb shit where you <laughs> I don't know. it's it's just a, a prime example of how stupid your system is for this means of keeping your game balanced this 40 dollar book if it is obsolete the day it's released yeah no it's kidding. inaccurate the day it's released now <sighs> Well, they can't charge forty buck bucks for it if there's not the points in there, Scott. That's what their that's what their claim is. I mean, they're not. No one would ever. No one in GW would say that, but that's exactly the reason. Because hey, what this you, is more what do you money. Mean? What do you mean? They can't charge forty dollars for this book 
if the points aren't in there. They, oh, they can, but no one's going to buy it. No, yeah. no one. It's going to be a fun, fluffy thing for the game. It's going to have your campaign stuff in it, your other things in it. Yep. It's got other great things like uh, new ma- the new match play scenarios, the tweaked match play scenarios, whichever, which are good for a full year to the next one anyway. So that's that can happen once a year. There's a tons of narrative stuff. There's the build-your-own hero system yeah, now in hero there. Hero Forge, is that what it's called? No, it's not called Hero Forge. No. But, but it's something, it's some crucible of, I don't know, yeah. mice and men, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just naming some. Okay, I understand where there's a direct correlation, and I'm not going to include points in the book. I'm not going to make as many sales. I will lose money. But there's another devious thing at work here where it's, I am causing an inconvenience to customers who are slowly leaving and not buying the book in the first place because how stupid it is and would rather get it somewhere else. Yeah. So it's like, at some point you need to rip the rug out from underneath you so that you can just create a better system, which creates a better, uh, like relationship with your end client and then they they buy more you invest in their happiness you make more money this is like business 101 i don't need to explain this uh i don't get it i I don't get the book thing it's stupid i don't either i think you already have a pretty nice app it's not a great app but it's a pretty nice app yeah for making lists and stuff yeah Yeah, making lists and looking through all the rules for everything yeah it works search function why can't they just have the points on there and have those always be updated. Okay. Uh, if you set an FAQ up on the website and say, here's some points tweaks we made, blah, 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 blah. We do this roughly four times a year. As soon as it's live, our IT team also has it pushed to the app for the apps always up to date. Yes. Boom. That just seems too logical. That seems like something in a free market in most other industries is considered the norm. Yes. Not the exception. Yes. Okay. You, you go out there and you open a new bank account in five different financial institutions, all of them are going to have some pretty close and high-end banking software apps for you to use that all have some pretty important features because that's universally is being pushed by the market for us to have a certain highest level of expectation. GW does not have that from other folks that are pushing them on their coattails to meet a certain expectation. Mm, And because of that, I can drag their feet on this because... The old way, we can see the dollars coming in from knocking out this book every year. Right, yeah. It's harder to transition. I think they're still trying to do the right thing for a lot of things. And sure, it takes yeah. a long It takes a long time to roll a boulder up a hill. Oh, uh, right? yeah. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. Not shitting on everything. Okay, yeah. We crucified and then we kind of like undid one nail. And now they're hanging there by their feet in their one hand. Yeah. And they're like, hey, you want like a chicken sandwich or something? <laughs> <laughs> you can You can eat it now. Yeah. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of the podcast. Podcast. Thank you for listening to us ramble on. This uh, might be our longest episode ever. My Yeah, a lot of dog intervention. Uh, dog intervention. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, Crusher, <laughs> we don't know how to tell you this, but your family loves you and you need to quit eating <laughs> the, the rabbit turds in the yard. You got a barking problem, son. <laughs> Uh, if you want to support the podcast, there are multiple ways to do it. You can buy our merchandise, which we sell on Teespring, linked in the description and the show notes. Uh, you can support us on Patreon, which gets you access to fun things like extended versions of this podcast, where we talk about things like our favorite miniatures from other painters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about things like new techniques we've tried and failed at and succeeded at. And also we give feedback to one of your models. So as part of that $5 buy-in, 
you can uh, supply us with pictures of your miniatures and we give feedback to one in depth per episode in that extended edition. Wow. Wow. We're so cool. Yeah. You described that so well. Thank you. That was what the wow was for. I've had 23 episodes to practice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, you can also give us a review on Apple Podcasts and any place where you listen to podcasts, you can rate us. It's only good. <laughs> I don't want to hear your bad stuff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Whatever you feel, we want to hear that. It's important for feedback to, to be honest and transparent so we can be better. Yeah. Yeah. You realize that? It just made me think of that. That means we're almost coming up on episode 26. You know what episode 26 means? Yeah. We've done this for a damn year. One damn year. What the hell? I can't believe you guys have been listening for a whole year. <laughs> I mean, I can perfectly believe that we've been talking for a full year. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't running out of things to say yet. Nope. All right. That's it for the podcast. Thank you for hanging out. We'll catch you all on the flippity flap. <laughs> flap. <laughs>